you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, this is Dan Hansis alongside Chris Wessling. Hey, Dan. Mark Sessler and the boss, Greg Rosenthal. We're the Around the NFL podcast. Check us out three times a week as we discuss the latest NFL news as it happens. Always, of course, with a touch of mirth. Subscribe at NFL.com slash podcasts, iTunes, and Stitcher. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky here on a Thursday, Buck. And uh, first time for everything, a little Periscope. I know. We're letting today. people take a deep dive of what really happens in, uh, I think, Shet calls it Studio 66, but I don't know if we can call yeah, it. Yeah, we don't do Studio 66. Just a studio. studio. Just yeah. a podcast studio. That's it. Uh, we're going to do uh, our usual thing here. We're going to go through the NFL games for the week. Going to uh, find one question we want to see answered in each NFL game. Then we're going to jump over to the college side of things. We've got our Big Ten, uh, Big Ten matchups here, not the conference, but the ten top games. And I am getting smoked. You know, I'm look, getting killed in this. It's thing, early. Man. It's about how you finish. I know, but it's this is what happens finish. when you get down early in these picks. Then you end up trying to go against the grain to try and catch up, and then you just bury yourself even. You're deeper. overthinking it. I'm, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. But, <laughs> You're uh, overthinking it. Uh, but, by the way, send uh, send your comments on there on Periscope. We'll answer some questions as we go uh, throughout the episode here. But, uh, Buck, let's let's start off with these NFL games, and let's go with our one question. We've got the, the first game we can discuss is the Thursday nighter. We've got Cardinals, the Drew Stanton-led Cardinals, going to take on the 49ers. I'll, I'll start us off here with my question. <laughs> if, if. The 49ers can't beat Drew Stanton. I mean, have we seen the end of Blaine Gabbert? Uh, I mean, I don't know if we would put it all on Blaine Gabbert, but I do think at some point they have to address what's going on with the quarterback. Blaine Gabbert hasn't necessarily lit it up since he's been named the starting quarterback under Chip Kelly, but the big question with Colin Kaepernick is, is he healthy enough to execute the offense and run it in the manner in which Chip Kelly wants his quarterback to play? I think the 49ers' issues are beyond – Blaine Gabbert not necessarily playing like a, an elite-level quarterback. I think defensively they need to find a way to stop the run and continue to be able to get after the passer. They need to create more turnovers and give their offense added opportunities because when I look at their offense, Carlos Hyde is a guy that I think they can depend on in the running game. But outside, I don't see a difference maker. And so when you don't have a difference maker in the passing game, it's critical that you have short fields to benefit. The San Francisco 49ers need something good to happen early so they can put some points on the board. Then that defense can kind of feed off the energy in the crowd. Yeah. Who do you like in the game? I actually like the 49ers in this game because I'm not a huge believer in Drew Stanton. Um, <laughs> you could go on a limb there, huh? Yeah, I'm not, not a big believer in Drew Stanton. And I also worry about the Cardinals' defense. Their defense is giving up more points, more plays than we're used to seeing. And I know they want to be a blitz-happy team, a team that leans on Patrick Peterson to be able to lock up a number one receiver. But on the other side, you have a lot of inexperience and um, – you don't necessarily have proven guys. And offensively, I think the secret is out on how to defend a Bruce Arians offense. Don't let the ball go over your head. Make them 
nickel and dime because they won't be committed to it, and they also won't be committed to running the ball. Because of that, I think San Francisco is able to sneak out a win, even though their offense may look ugly at times tonight. I'll make my bold prediction and we'll move on. The Cardinals' defense will outscore the 49ers' offense. You think so? Cardinals win. That's wow. What I'm going with. Man, All right, next, next, next game. Okay, so we got the New England Patriots taking on the Cleveland Browns, and Tom Brady comes back. Oh, gosh. How many yards does Tom Brady put up against the Cleveland Browns? You know what? I'm going to say – look, I'm not going to get too crazy, but I'll say that he has – I'll give Tom Brady 340. Ooh, 340. 340 in the, in, against the Browns. A lot of ding, 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 ding. That's, uh, they're going to move it up and down. You think he cars he he him up a little bit? Yeah, and I think, I think this Patriots defense is going to be smarting a little bit after last week. I think they're going to give him some short fields as well. Yeah, I, I, that might hurt his yardage total a little bit. But I, I can't imagine. Lose. I can't imagine that they had a really good week um, dealing with Bill Belichick after being shut out and not playing as well as they should in Gillette Stadium. I think you're dealing with an angry Patriots squad. This to me will be a huge game for Cody Kessler because if he can show that he can kind of continue to kind of play okay, I think he may kind of put his vice grip on the starting job and kind of be the starter for the Browns going the rest of the season. Here's the problem with that, though. And I give Hugh Jackson a lot of credit. We did it last week or on our last episode. I thought he's done a masterful job of how he's used the personnel that he has. My thing is, though, when you look at Cody Kessler and what he's done, and you look at – they have that, like – I call it a shot chart, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like basketball. It shows the ball distribution. All dink and dunk. It is dink and dunk city. I think, I think you're going to see Bill Belichick it always likes to take away what you do best. He's going to walk everybody up. And if Cody Kessler and the Browns are going to score points, he's going to have to do it to Terrell Pryor over the top. Now, the problem with that, they better double-team Terrell Pryor. <laughs> because Terrell Pryor was giving Josh Norman plenty of problems in the first half of that game last week. And we've seen him tie up some other defenders in knots. Uh, I do agree that they're going to try and take away the small ball approach. They're going to force him to throw it on top. I would expect to see a double team to make sure Terrell Pryor can't uh, get loose. But in the end, I think the New England Patriots have this. The Browns have been very, very competitive in mostly all of their games. I just think this one is one where you're dealing with angry Tom and an angry Bill. I just think it's too much. Yeah, bad combination. All right, Eagles-Lions. Jim Schwartz get the best of, uh, of Matthew Stafford in this game? I think so. I think the Eagles' defense is legit. I love the way they're playing on defense. It's simple, but it's effective. They're doing a great job of running to the ball, getting hats on the ball, and creating turnovers. Malcolm Jenkins is playing like an all-pro player in the middle of the field, doing a great job of coming down and getting his hands on balls. And offensively, Carson Wentz is playing at another level. They're doing a great job of having a systematic approach and expanding upon that. I think after the bye week, we'll see more bells and whistles on that offense. But Jim Schwartz is going to make sure that Matt Stafford is uncomfortable in the pocket. I think Matt Stafford will have a couple turnovers. Those will be the deciding factors in the game. Yeah, I think Brandon Graham may, may be one of the more underrated players in the league. I go back to, to that draft. Remember how they got ripped. They didn't take Jason Pierre-Paul. I think they traded up. They didn't. They passed on Earl Thomas. Absolutely. So Brandon Graham, they took a lot of grief for that. But as his career has continued to evolve, he's, he's been productive. A really, really solid, solid football player. And that's all you're trying to do. I know everyone wants to hit home runs at the top of the draft, but sometimes you can get by with singles and doubles. He has been a nice fit for them. He's doing a great job playing in Jim Schwartz's scheme. Connor Baldwin, Fletcher Cox, some of the other guys up front, Vinnie Curry. They have a nice defensive line that can get after you, and because they can get after you with four, it allows them to play that max coverage in the back end and really suffocate what you want to do in the passing game. Yeah, we've got somebody here on Periscope saying Philly's coming off a bye. They'll be ready for whatever 
the Lions throw at them. I, I agree. I agree with that. And by the way, somebody wants us to find a new home for Tony Romo. We'll, find, find a new home for Tony get to the Romo. Game. We'll get to the games, and then we'll we'll find a home for Tony Romo. So we'll get that one done. Okay, so here we go. We got Chicago Bears versus the Indianapolis Colts. And there's been a lot of heat on Ryan Grixon and even the coach Chuck Pagano about what they've done to support Andrew Luck. Reggie Wayne just lobbed a couple out there. Reggie. He threw a grenade out there. But I'll ask you this specifically about Andrew Luck. How well do you think Andrew Luck is playing at this point? Because he was coming off a disappointing year last year prior to the injury. Are we seeing the Andrew Luck that we saw a couple years ago that lit up the league, had 40 touchdowns and only 16 interceptions? Or are we seeing a guy that is also struggling as well as the rest of the parts around him? Look, I don't think he's playing at a you know a big-time level. I think he's playing better than he played last year. I know the numbers out there and the number of sacks he's taken. And you know, one thing I'll say about that, when you go and study those sacks – Look, Costanzo got beat a couple times last week at left tackle. He's not playing all that great. But when you look at him, one of them, he's rolling. It's a boot, and he's out to the right side. You should never take a sack on a boot. Ever, 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 ever. And he's holding on the ball. He tries to spin out of it. He ends up getting sacked. So some of these are on Andrew Luck. The backs and tight ends have been at fault for a good number of them as well. So I think the offensive line getting a little bit unfairly criticized for this Colts team. The other thing we got to remember is everybody's burying the Colts. The division is not very good. Everybody's one and three except for Houston. Yep. And, and then when you look at the games they've been in, now they haven't played the great teams. Every game that they've played has come down to the last two minutes. So they're right there. They've got they've got this game. You look at the opponent they're going up against, Chicago Bears. I'd feel good about it if I if I were a Colts fan. I think they get this corrected this week. Yeah, I think they get it corrected. On the other side, the Chicago Bears are encouraged because two new playmakers that they discovered on offense. They discovered Jordan Howard, who stepped in for Jeremy Langford. Over 100 yards. 100-yard game. Nice addition. Been very, very physical, running in between the tackles. And then Brian Hoyer continues to have, like, he's a cat with nine (laughs) lives. You can never kill him. He just continues to find a way to when he's given opportunities. In the short term, he plays very, very well. Had a solid game for them a week ago. Um and there's been conversation about, oh, when Jay Cutler comes back, Brian Hoyer may not relinquish this job. Big thing for Brian Hoyer is to continue to avoid the turnovers and stay kind of in his lane. And he has to do it without the services of Kevin White, who has gone on IR because of a fractured tibia. Yeah, he, look, he was starting to make some positive strides there. Unfortunately, his season is over. All right, Titans at Dolphins. Hopefully this is uh, not affected by the hurricane that's kind of barreling down towards Florida right now, Buck. Uh, but Titans at Dolphins, and I feel like we ask the same question every week. We could really do it with both these quarterbacks, but I'll stick with the Titans here. Marcus Mariota against this Dolphins defense. Can we see him kind of have his breakout game? I think a lot of it depends on Mike Malarkey and Terry Bisky and what they elect to do with this offense. They can either make it a pro-style offense where they're asking Marcus Mariota to do things that are unfamiliar to him based on what he experienced at Oregon, or they can tweak it a little bit and put some of those things in that he did at Oregon. What I'm seeing is a guy that's very, very uncomfortable making some of the transitions in terms of playing under center and being more of a traditional quarterback. And I really would like to see them just kind of like cut it loose and allow him to be the athlete, the playmaker that he is. And I know there's some some concerns about his durability and his toughness based on how he got banged up a little bit last year. But he is what he is. And I think if you ask him to be something that he's not, he's going to fail. I think you have to do some of the spread stuff, let him run, let him get on the perimeter, let him have some run pass option things. I know they have great talent on the outside, but you have to put Marcus in a situation where he's comfortable. That's the only way that I think they can be successful. Yeah, I got somebody here saying J.H.I. needs to touch the ball 20 times. Dolphins are a joke. So he's 
Apparently, big J.H.I. fan, not a big uh, yeah, Dolphin J- fan. You know, with, with that, I know J.H.I. has has some carries. He's had some opportunities. Kenyon Drake has been in the mix. He I know put Aaron the ball Foster the has been uh, hurt. They have to get more from their run game. I believe their wide receiver core is as talented as you can find in, set of, in terms of a set of young receivers that can make plays on the outside. Devontae Parker is kind of coming in. Jarvis Landry makes plays on a weekly Kenny basis. Kenny Stills doing some Kenny things. Stills gets open. Quarterback has to play better, but before we get to the quarterback, I would like to see them establish a run game because now if you have a balanced run game, you don't have Ryan Tannehill throwing into so many loaded coverage looks. they got to get it untracked, and the offensive line has to win. All right, what we got here? What's the next game here, Buck? we got Redskins and Ravens. Redskins and Ravens. So now this is a battle royale on the outside. Steve Smith and Josh Norman. Can Josh Norman contain Steve Smith enough to allow the Redskins to be able to corral the rest of that Ravens offense? You know what? This is interesting. This is kind of, I mean, in terms of temperament, I mean, this might, this might, this could potentially could be volatile. Escalate, could escalate. Well, they know each I'm other very, saying. very well. They spent two years together in Carolina. That's so what they I'm know saying. each other. So it's been very respectful to this point. Yeah. Look, I actually think this is a good matchup for Josh Norman. Uh, Steve Smith is the ageless wonder. He's 37 years old, stiff arming dudes, making all kinds of plays. But I think stylistically, he wants to get in a street fight, which is what Josh Norman wants to do with the way he plays. I think I, I think this is a, this is actually a pretty good matchup for the Redskins on the back end. Now the Ravens, to me, the question is, can they use some of their other speed on the outside to get over the top and hit some home runs on the opposite side of the field? That's going to be, I think, what they look to do with Joe Flacco. If I'm the Ravens, and I just looked at the tape with the Cleveland Browns running through the Redskins like a hot knife through Pro-well. butter, I'm going to make sure that Terrence West, Kenneth Dixon, and those guys get a ton of carries. I'm going to run it down their throat. I'm going to make them show us that we, they can stop the run because the Redskins haven't been able to do it. Down near the bottom of the league, if not at the bottom, in terms of run defense, jam it down their throat, create some one-on-one opportunities, and see if you can sneak Steve Smith down the boundary past Josh Norman. But I think you have to test the medal of the Redskins. Can they stop the run? Terrence West, I believe, coming off a 100-yard game as well. Terrence right, next, West. Next, there you go, Townsend. Let's go uh, Texans, Vikings, Buck. Man, this is a great matchup. We have a video out there you can check out, by the way, of us previewing the Vikings corners going up against the, the wide receivers there for the Texans. Last week we saw Hopkins didn't do anything, right? Will Fuller has a big game. Hopkins does next to nothing. If you're the Vikings – from a game plan standpoint. Will Fuller got loose last week. You still take your chances with Will Fuller and, and double up on Hopkins? I think you still take your chances on Will Fuller. You know that DeAndre Hopkins is a proven commodity. He's a brand name. I want to make sure that we eliminate him. The other thing that you can do in terms of Will Fuller, make him always catch the ball coming back to the quarterback. Don't allow him to get, get over the top. top. Yeah. Don't allow him to catch the D ball. Keep all that stuff in front. And then what they've been able to do is they've been able to knock people around with that front four. I've seen Brock Osweiler get a little jittery in the pocket at times. I want to make sure that we do, or if I'm the Vikings, they continue to do some of those double A-gap bluffs and pressures where they stand those two linebackers right beside the center and they make them make a determination of whether it's a blitz or whether they're bluffing. Put him in a situation where he has to think after the snap and maybe Brock Osweiler will give you a turnover or two. I'll tell you what, the screen game could could be important here for Houston in this game too. Trying you have to, to slow down that pass pressure. rush. You, you cannot let those ends pin their ears back and come. They're not going to match up. The uh-huh. other thing that I think the Houston Texans have to do is they have to find a way to play from ahead because if you're playing from behind, dealing with that noise in the stadium, allowing that pass rush to feed off the energy in the stadium – if they have it ahead, they can keep those guys quiet. I think you have to do it. But offensively, Sam Bradford is playing great. And Jarek McKinnon has given them something that Adrian Peterson wasn't. A very versatile player. I saw them run a little wildcat. 
I thought this offense would open up a little more with Adrian Peterson being out, and I think we begin to see that a little bit. All right, let's go to the next game here, Buck. What we got? Man, my, I keep my, 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 my pass code on my phone. keeps going on. Here we go. Jets and Steelers. Whew. I keep the, hating to make it quarterback-centric, but, man, Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> when you have 10 interceptions and you are turning the ball over at an alarming rate, um, how much longer can Ty Bowles go with his quarterback playing as poorly as he's playing? Nine picks in two games. Look, it, it is what it is. I mean, I – I still think they're committed to him. I think you'd have to get to the midway point of the season before you'd see them change up anything. This actually, to me, I know it's on the road. I don't think I, the Jets, what they can do to slow down the Steelers is going to be a challenge. But I think the Jets, with what where they are on the outside, match up very favorably against this uh, the Steelers secondary. So I, I think this is – I'm not saying they're going to win the game, but I think this is a, a little you bit of a rebound. Score. This is a rebound performance here. You need to score. Now, I don't think Darrell Revis is going to be able to go. He has a hamstring issue. And so I worry about their ability to slow down. You talked about them being able to get into a track meet. I don't know if they necessarily want that track meet with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We saw how they looked last week with Le'Veon Bell coming back, Antonio Brown on the outside. I don't know who matches up with Antonio Brown, but it could be problematic. If the Jets are going to win, it's going to take a monster and a masterful performance from their defense. It's going to take their defensive line. Leonard Williams, by the way. We both talk about him being the best player in that draft. That's looking good. I think, right. I think, That's looking good I think, right now. I think it came to fruition. No, he's 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 been outstanding. So, uh, look, I think the Steelers win the football game. I think the Jets they put a scare into them. I say that I'll give the Jets like twenty four points. I think they lose. The, they could lose this game. You know, thirty four twenty four something like that, somewhere in that range. All right, next game: Falcons, Broncos. The connections in this game, Buck. It, it's fascinating to me because you've got Mike Shanahan, who coached John Elway, whose assistant was Gary Kubiak. And now you have Gary Kubiak, who's the head coach. You've got John Elway, who's running the team. Mike Shanahan is now retired, but his son is now Kyle. Is Kyle Shanahan, who is now running this offense, who coached underneath Gary Kubiak. It's all this. This thing is so connected. Um, these guys know each other extremely well. I, it'll be fascinating to me to see how this matchup of the Falcons' offense against the Broncos' defense goes. How do you see it? You know, it's a tough game. I, I'm a huge believer, and I'm loving what the Atlanta Falcons are doing offensively. I love the tempo. I love the misdirection in the play-action game. I like how they've been really using both backs in terms of Coleman and Freeman, allowing those guys to do work inside and outside. Julio Jones coming off a monster performance. Muhammad Sanu, and even the young tight end, Austin Hooper. The main thing for the Atlanta Falcons is can they run the ball enough, well enough, to keep the Denver Broncos from jumping into maybe some two-man packages, maybe from locking up and doing some of that one robber. Um, I'm still going to go with the Falcons, even though I know the Browns, I mean the Broncos' defense is absolutely legit. I'm going to say that Shanahan finds a way to create a couple big play opportunities for his guys on the perimeter. Sneaky good matchup in this game. Mack, who they brought over, Alex Mack from Absolutely. Cleveland, has really stabilized this offensive line, giving him some size. As a quarterback, there's nothing worse than when you're getting the pocket pushed back into you. You can deal with edge pressure. When you're getting pushed up the middle, that's difficult. He stabilized that offensive line up front. Sylvester Williams, underrated, man. I know. Jared Crick, Sylvester Williams, I'm talking about him uh, on total access tomorrow. 
but two underrated guys along that front. Adam Gottes, the rookie from Georgia Tech, has been excellent. Everybody knows about what you're getting with Vaughn Miller and Shane Ray and Barrett. And He's all been the inside guys. guys. These inside guys are underrated. I think that's a key matchup in this game. How do they hold up against that interior? has to be because this game is going to be a physical game. I would expect Denver Broncos to see if they can make this a phone booth game, if they can make the Atlanta Falcons fight and play a very physical style. And then defensively for the Atlanta Falcons, this is a huge test for them. This is a team that traditionally doesn't rush to pass it very, very well. We want to see how they hold up against this this run game. Can they force long yardage situations? Because with Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch, you want to back them up and make them throw when you know they have to throw so you can kind of read their eyes and see if you can get anything. If they stop the run early, I think the Atlanta Falcons have a very, very good chance of going on the road and getting that upset win. All right, Buck, what we got next here? What's our next game? Okay, so now we have the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Dallas Cowboys. And you talked about this guy maybe being the best rookie outside of Carson Wentz, Ezekiel Elliott. Can the Cincinnati Bengals front seven slow down Ezekiel Elliott and put the game on Dak Prescott's shoulders? I think they can. I mean, there's not many defensive fronts, I think, that match up well with Dallas' offensive line. Cincinnati, I believe, is one of them, especially now that they're getting back to full strength in their front seven. Um, I, I think they can. I think that's what you're going to see them do. And I think the Cincinnati secondary is going to be an intriguing matchup with what the Dallas Cowboys have. I think the Bengals can match up the, well there in that matchup. So, you know, look, this is going to come down to Dak Prescott in this game. I think the Bengals offensively, I think they're going to have some opportunities down the field to make some plays. This is where we kind of get a sense, okay, Dak Prescott's done a nice job. He hasn't turned the ball over. He's been safe. He's played within the system. He's made things happen. Can he win the game when they put it on him? Because I think in this game it is on him. Now, you have to see if he can continue to do it. You have to test the young quarterback because he will ultimately be the, the, the weak link or the determining factor in this game, how well he plays. But you have to take Ezekiel Elliott away. You have to put them in long yardage situations. You have to put a blanket over Dez Bryant and see if someone else can win the game on the perimeter. Dak Prescott has passed every test with flying colors. I expect him to continue to do so. Look for the Dallas Cowboys to get another win and look for the heat to continue to build on Tony Romo as he has to worry about the rookie taking I was wondering what's going through his head when he's watching these. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. Keep winning, man. Keep winning. We got to be in good shape. So when I get the position back, it's like, well, let's not win like that. I I will say this, and I will say this. I'm, I'm ashamed to acknowledge this, but I remember being in high school and being a player, and I had a tough time if we won games and I didn't get enough touches or if I didn't score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It's selfish. It's not the right way. But I think all players kind of have that in them, and I'm sure that Tony Romo likes the fact that Dallas is winning, but I know he's looking at the young quarterback, particularly at the age where Tony Romo is on the back nine. I'm sure he's looking like, man, I hope this guy's not about to take my job. It's funny because I got hurt. I got hurt the first uh, – we played Wake Forest my senior year um, – had a, had a really good first half, tore my MCL. So then uh, we ended up going with another senior for a while, uh, David Reeves, who's now the uh, – I think he's uh, assistant head coach at South Florida. He's, a, he's still a good friend. But David played for a while. Then we had this young guy, Joe Burchett, right? He, so we were – you know, we are what we are. Joe was like 6'4", 225 pounds. He could hit a big arm. So – he got. I remember when he first got. When they first got him in the mix. He started playing, and it was my parents had come to the game. <laughs> so after the game was over, and I, I walk up and I, and I see my dad after the game, and he kind of he kind of looks at me, and, and I'm like, I didn't know what to say. He, he looks at me, and goes, "He's pretty good." <laughs> I said, yeah, dad, he is. He's pretty good. I don't know how much I'm gonna be playing the rest of the year when I get back. It has, it has to be an, an an out of body experience because yeah, you want the team to win because you want to be in a position to go to the playoffs, but you also look and you see how well Dak is playing. And with each win, 
the team's belief and confidence grows in him. And then you run the risk of, I mean, if they go seven and two, eight and one, if I come back, do I mess up the chemistry yeah. or the perceptions of messing up the chemistry? A lot on him. I think it's tough for Tony Romo. But this team is built to win regardless of who's at quarterback. And we're seeing how the supporting cast is allowing a guy, a young guy without experience to win games. By the way, real quick, before we leave the, the Cowboys here, why don't we just answer that one question? Uh, if we needed to find a home for Tony Romo, can I give you? Can I give you? Who yeah, give me home, Miami. Mm. People go to Florida to retire. Bro. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill's uh, not getting it done, and maybe they, maybe they. Or how about New York? Get him in there. the New York Jets, because the Jets Ooh. typically always take a veteran quarterback. Someone else is cast off. You know what you have in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tony Romo is certainly an upgrade over Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you don't feel good about Geno and you know your young quarterbacks aren't ready, why not take? a chance or a flyer on a guy who has shown that he can win games and play at a high level when healthy. I don't know if you want to run the risk with all the injuries, but I think he could be a very viable option for the Jets as a short-term solution. Last one here on Romo. How about if they move on from Cutler, he goes back to the Midwest, Chicago Bears, for a year or two. Right, while, right, while right getting, down the where block. Where you're getting the next guy. Maybe. That, that, that might be a nice fit for him. But then where does Jay Cutler go? Maybe he goes to the Jets. <laughs> That, a little carousel. That seems there. like a, a, a likely scenario. Or he, he reunites with Adam Gase in Miami. Ooh. We can make this happen. We'll, we'll get everybody it. moving here. All right, let's uh, move on here. Next game, we've got uh, Bills Rams here, Buck. What do you think? Mm. The biggest question will be can Rex Ryan and Dennis Thurman continue to keep Todd Gurley under wraps. 2.9 a carry last well, – maybe it was even less. It was 1.9 a carry last week. He did – I looked at the box score after that game. I didn't see the game. I looked at the box score. I'm like, how did they win? You know, they're playing great on defense, doing a great job on defense. Aaron Donald's playing like a man child. Aaron Donald's also a little fired up since yeah, Rex, Rex walked said. those comments back, by the way. Did he you see couldn't that? put a pimple on Sheldon Richardson's hiney. That, that, <laughs> got to be careful with that. Got to be careful making those He said, I've things. said some stupid things. That might be right at the top of the list. Yeah, and so and so it it'd be interesting to see if they can continue to make the Rams play one-dimensional football, take the running game away. And I give the Rams a lot of credit. They're still running the ball a lot. They're still pounding it in there because the attempts matter more than the yards. But at some point, you have to get Ty Gurley off and untracked, allow him to be the dominant player that he is. The Bills have to make sure they don't do that. They get Marcel Darius back, which is huge for yeah. him because he not only is a good run stopper, but he can rush the passer. I like the Bills coming to L.A. still in some of our sunshine. I think the Bills get this win. Now the Bills, by the way, they are uh, – got to go back and look this up, but I believe they are going to get um, Shaq Lawson back at some point in time this season, right? I think they're supposed to get him back. I think he's on that short-term IR. Yeah, so they get him back. I mean, to add Darius now and then to eventually be able to add Shaq in there, you juiced up your pass rush a little bit. You lose Sammy Watkins for a little bit, but I think they have enough around him on offense to be okay. All right, next game, Chargers-Raiders. I tell you what, man, if you want to be depressed, just read the read the San Diego sports page. I guess nobody reads the paper early anymore, but you get online. I go to, I do it all the time. It's uniontrib.com for the San Diego Union Tribune. And you look on the Chargers, every day there's something, some new piece of bad news for the Chargers. Jason Verrett, are you kidding me? With all yeah, they've already lost on offense, and now you're going to take the best defensive player away? I mean, that's brutal, especially you're getting ready to go up and play Oakland Raiders with Crabtree rolling the way he is, Cooper and company, Carr playing at a very high level. You don't want to be without your number one corner. 
Well, at least they get Joey Bosa to finally show up. Joey yeah. Bosa will finally make his debut against knock, the Oakland knock on, Raiders. Knock on wood. Hopefully knock on he wood. makes it to the game. He's able to do anything. And we'll op- have an opportunity to see if the pass rush affects the quarterback more than the coverage in the back end. They need him to step up and be a big player right away. Doesn't compensate for the loss of um, Verrett, but I think they have to be able to not. Anti Teo, they lost too. Although, look, they put a rookie in when Manti Teo went out. The kid from from Akron uh, was it Jatavis Brown? Or yes, right? he's fast. Good, he's a good player. Fast, got a chance to plays. watch him a little bit. This he week. ended up Perriman like too. Athletic guys in the middle of that defense. They have to make some plays. All right, let's uh, let's move on now. We got so we got New York going to Green Bay, and it's about can New York Giants finally get a turnover? That's unbelievable. No turnovers. We're heading into what are week we in? five? Five? Are we week five? Yeah, we've yeah, played week four five. games. Yeah, that's nuts. No, I like I think they're playing better up front on defense too. Just the back end. They don't have anybody making plays on the football. I, I think here's my prediction. First of all, I think the Giants are going to win the game. I don't. I don't. I just have a feeling on that. I could be way off. Odell here. Beckham finally has a huge game. I think Eli's going to get get going a little bit with the weapons that they have. I think Green Bay in the secondary is good. I don't think they're great. I think they could take some shots and make some plays there. I think this is a really really high scoring game. Um, but man, I'm going to say their first turnover comes. And I'm going to say they force a fumble. Well, they knock it out from uh, Eddie Lacy. Boop. Yeah. Pop it out. Yeah. They need a turnover. They're gonna to have to get a couple of turnovers on the road to win. Aaron Rodgers is uh, look. He heard a lot of talk about him kind of losing his mojo. He came back with a vengeance the last time we saw him play. Uh, Green Bay needs this one at home. I think they get it at home. I do believe Odell Beckham will have a big game. Get some of the critics off his back. All right, let's get a Periscope question here. You guys are are firing in a lot of comments. Send us a couple questions and we'll answer one. Um, we get, let's finish up this last. Let's finish up this last game here. We've got Tampa, Tampa Bay at Tampa Carolina. Carolina. What do you think? Um, did the Carolina Panthers underestimate the loss of Josh Norman in the back end? Oh, I think so. No question. And I think they will be better in the in the, in the latter half of the season once these young guys get this experience. It'll help them out. But you've touched on it, Buck. I don't know You know, if we're giving the, the front a pass not heating anybody up up front either. That's putting a lot of pressure on those young kids. I think that's the biggest um, situation, the biggest miscalculation. They were kind of putting their eggs in the basket on Coney Ely, kind of continuing to emerge as a dominant pass rusher. They haven't had a dominant pass rusher since Greg Hardy a couple seasons ago and understood why they had to walk away from him. But since he left, they haven't had anyone that could command a double team off the edge nor could give them 10-plus sacks off the edge. And so this is a team and a franchise that's been built on the front seven being superior to their opponent. And right now I'm not seeing that. And consequently what we're seeing are them give up plays in the run game, them give up big plays in the passing game because the quarterback is not being knocked down enough. The Carolina Panthers can fix their defensive woes, but to fix it, they have to find a way to be better up front. I think you got to put a challenge out to KK Short, all those other guys. They got to make it happen. All right, uh, this is one question we got. Is Brock Osweiler legit? You want to take that one? Uh, I'll take it. Uh, he is a legit average quarterback. <laughs> oh, How about that? He's legitly average. Um, I think the big thing with Brock Osweiler and what we're learning, entering this year, he only had 22 starts from the time he left high school. 15 at Arizona State, 7 with the Denver Broncos. That's not a long track record of production or performance. And so when the Houston Texans made the gamble to take him, they did it really getting a glorified rookie 
because he hasn't played enough. And so what we're seeing there are some of the growing pains that he had to experience. All young quarterbacks have to go through this. But the pressure's on him because he's commanding a big check. And so with those big checks come big expectations. Bill O'Brien tried to get him back on track um, a week ago, taking over the play calls, finding a way to get those guys going. But it's on Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler has to play better because they're counting on him to kind of lead them in the right direction. Need to see more from him. All right, let's, uh, let's transition over to these college games, Buck. As much as I hate to do this because I've been getting smoked, um, i gotta, I got to get this corrected. i got to have a good week. Uh, we've got got to have a good week. College is big time. And this is interesting now because Sully's no longer with us, but he still has written in his – he's uh-huh. emailing these in apparently. Kent puts this thing together. So we've got Sully's picks, Kent's picks, and then uh, we'll make our picks here as we roll through here. If you guys are on Periscope and want to chime in with who you think is going to win these college games – uh, have at it. Tennessee at Texas A&M, Bucky. What do you think? I'm going with the wrecking crew. Texas A&M, 12th man, they get it. Yeah, look, Tennessee has had a horseshoe located in a very interesting place. Uh, Rabbit's feet, yeah, all, all kinds yeah, of stuff. That's not going to – I don't L- think that Lucky continues. Clovers, they got them all. I, I don't think that continues. I think Texas A&M wins at home. Sully took Tennessee, shocker, as a, as a volunteer, and uh, can't win A&M. All right, LSU at Florida. I'm going on a limb. Ed Ogeron did something last week that kind of changed the offense. They went up-tempo. They went faster. They spread it out. They threw passes. They were very aggressive. I think that's the way they have to play with their personnel. I'm going to go with LSU knocking off the Gators in the swamp. No Gator chops. Yeah, look, this is a tough one for me. And you guys, so Sully went LSU. Kent went LSU. I, I look. I agree awesome. with you. All that Went off on the grid. But this is where I try and going, catch up. With, I'm trying to Gators. catch up. I like the Gators' defense. I, I think what they have at all three levels of their defense, they've got playmakers. Um, I just I know it doesn't look like Fournette's going to play. Geis is a really really good player. Mm. I'm going to go with the home team and go Florida. I got to catch up here. Everyone should keep their eyes on Quincy Wilson. Hearing big things I, about I, him. In fact, I'm hearing that he may be a better corner. So, um, I guess I can tease this now. So, I have my ask five this week is who's the best DB in this game? So, you've got Jamal Adams, Tredavious Mm -hmm. White at LSU. You've got Quincy Wilson. You've got Tease Tabor. And you've got uh, Hay or whatever, the uh, the safety who's a good player for Florida. So, of those five, how many votes did Tabor get of the five? Probably none. Zero. Jamal Adams got three. From LSU, who is a stud, Tredavious White got one, Quincy Wilson got one. And I asked one dude, uh, one executive, I said, how would you rate those DBs? And he said, Jamal Adams, number one, Tredavious White, number two, Quincy Wilson, number three, the safety from Florida, number four, and Tease Tabor, number five. He goes, he cannot run. So uh, that's the interesting thing. I studied him a little bit over the summer. I liked him. He's got size, got great ball skills. I didn't really see him challenged vertically, so now it's something I really got to dig into. Well, I think I, I think you had to dig into. It. I was with him this summer. I had a chance to be around him, and the one thing that I talked to him about is expanding his game, not being one dimensional, being a guy that can show people that he can pedal, that he can flip his hips and do things outside of playing nose to nose and bumper run coverage. Uh, he's long, he's rangy, but I think the big thing with guys like that, and you have to get them on the field to determine what they can do. But he has to show up in some of these big games. This is a huge game because on the LSU side, Malachi Dupree, Doral, uh, some of those other guys that are available, we now will get a, get a chance to see him play against NFL caliber competition. How he holds up in these games could ultimately kind of send this stock back skyrocketing when it sounds like it may be plummeting a little bit. Yeah, it took all of about three minutes once we started talking college games for somebody on Periscope to hit me with Roll Tide. 
<laughs> I haven't even got. I mean, I haven't even got to Alabama. We're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to that game. Um, all right, Oklahoma, uh, Texas. This is obviously the big one every year. The rivalry game. Man, Texas is they. I, mean, I think Charlie Strong has to win this game, Bucky. Sully's got Oklahoma. Kent's got Oklahoma. I got Oklahoma, Buck. I can't pick Texas in this game. It's so funny because we thought that Texas had turned the corner a couple of weeks ago when they knocked off Notre Dame, but then I see them lose to Cal, and I was a little worried. Like, man, they lost to Cal. Program seen then last week they gave up so many points to Oklahoma State. Here's the deal: Charlie Strong is going to take over the defense. He's calling the defense, so. He's all invested. He understands what's at stake. I believe they play better defensively. But by going up-tempo, they're exposing their defense to more plays. I think Oklahoma gets it done because when you expose, you make the game a, a more play game, it becomes the team that's more talented. I think Oklahoma is more talented. That's why they win. All right, let's go. Uh, uh, look, we, so I've got, we've all got Oklahoma on that one. Virginia Tech at your Tar Heels, Buck. Look, great call by you last week. I know it was a mixture of head and heart, but it, it worked out for you. Big win over Florida State. I can't believe this. What am I seeing? So everybody else has got Vox Virginia Tech. Tech. So Sully's got Virginia Tech. Kent's what? got Virginia Tech. I look, That's I've, unbelievable. It's the first time I've really dug in and watched your squad, Buck. Quarterback. Trubisky's legit. Quarterback is nice. Switzer's got a playmaker nice. in Ryan Switzer. Got a couple other playmakers, Mac Hollins and those guys. I'm taking the Tar Heels all day. I, I cannot believe everyone is jumping on the Virginia Tech bandwagon. I saw them play against Tennessee, and a Tennessee team that has struggled, kind of had their way with them. I think my Tar Heels going to get it done. I think we we sing the fight song again after this one. I've got uh, somebody hit me up with Tar Heels win. That offense is crazy. So uh, you've got a cousin out there that's apparently watching us. That's right. Go. I'm with you, Buck. I, look, I, Tar Heels, I was impressed with your squad last week. All right, Colorado at USC. Sully's got Colorado on the road. Kent's got USC at home. Um, I'm going to go with USC at home. I think they could rattle off a couple wins in a row here. I think the quarterback change has kind of changed the dynamic of that offense. I think Colorado's going to score points. I think it's a high-scoring game, but I think USC wins at home. I'm going with the Buffs. You're going Buffs on me. I'm going with Colorado. I Fighting like what Colorado is doing. Look, McIntyre has them going. That offense is pretty dynamic. I know they're playing two quarterbacks, but they're finding a way to make it effective. Defensively, they kind of run around and fly around. We're going to see the true test of this USC offense because you're making these transitions. You're making the changes. You're willing to put it in the young quarterback's hands, but are you committed to playing fast, putting your foot to the metal? Let's, let's see because if you do that against Colorado, you can give them more opportunities. And I just don't know if that's how you want to play it. Colorado wins this one on the road. I watched uh, SC on tape this morning uh, from this last week against Arizona State. You know what shocked me? Buck, I'm talking RPOs out the wazoo. Oh, that's all they do. RPO City. No, that's all they do. So I mean, it's just like it doesn't feel like you're watching USC. But I'm, I'm look, I'm, I like it because they've they've been kind of in between. Like, are we a pro style team? Are we a spread team? They're trying to serve too many masters. They made this quarterback switch. They are a full on spread offense. It is put it in the belly of the back, raise up, and let her rip. And it, to me, it's making them more explosive because they've got some dudes. You get Juju Smith the ball on a hitch when they sell out to get the quarterback. He's gone. I mean, they're just getting the ball out of his hands, making things happen. Now, we don't have the time to really talk about it, but I think it's a great move for them to be able to do that. The RPOs, the best, the only way to stop the RPOs, you have to play man-to-man, but then you run the risk of going one-on-one with some of those guys on the outside, which is advantageous for USC. Um, the thing about it is, as they continue to transition and make that thing, I just don't think this week they can make all the changes. I'm going with Colorado, but I do think USC is going to be a problem for some teams down the stretch. All right, for all those Bama fans, this is the one they wanted, Bucky. Alabama at Arkansas. We've got Kent Bama, Sully Bama. Everybody, it seems like there's a lot of buzz 
about Arkansas finding a way to get this done, Buck. And I think they are very physical. They're going to give them all they can handle. But last I checked, Arkansas doesn't have a quarterback that really runs around all that much. And if you don't have a quarterback that can threaten this Alabama defense, they will eat you alive. Time and time again, we've seen the recipe for success against Alabama. Offensively, you have to have the ability to change the game with a mobile quarterback. Arkansas doesn't do that. Also, spread offense, up-tempo, fast pace, taking it out of Nick Saban's hands to call the defense, that is the way you do it. Arkansas is a slow down, grind it out, hit you in the mouth team. I love watching it, but it's a bad matchup for Alabama. I'm going to go RTR, roll, tie, roll. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. All right, let's go next game here. Look, Bryce, who uh, kind of runs our social media around here. It's is, a trap game. Is a big Washington. It's a trap alum. game. Washington trap at Trap game. Sully's got Washington. Kent's got Washington. All signs point towards number five. Washington, I'll caution you with this. The last time Washington went on the road, they played Arizona, whose average is the day is long. And it, it went overtime. Yeah, it was a battle. You gonna do it? You gonna you got the guts to do it? You can go with Ducks. New no, new quarterback. No. <laughs> no, you just set it all up like you're gonna no. take them. No, I can't take the Ducks. I can't take the Ducks. And the, the Ducks dogs. don't play good enough defense. Yeah, they don't play well enough on defense. I mean, I had some of my Oregon people call themselves the Ucks because they have no D. Interesting. So I'm gonna go with the uh, Huskies. I wish it was at home so we could play the siren in here, but. But it's, it's not. I, that, that was awesome. How about that atmosphere up there, huh? Awesome. You know, it was trying to think of, after being at that game, what some of my favorite atmospheres are. And, and LSU and, and Alabama, Georgia, like all those SEC places are yeah. great. This one, the, the Washington atmosphere kind of reminded me of Clemson. Oh, yeah, kind of raucous. It's just everything's right on top. Kind of loud. Right on top of you. I'm it, telling you, when that, when that, loud si- that siren is playing and they're playing good football and they're coming at you. Whoever, by the way, if you're looking for a PA announcer and you're an NFL team, I don't know who the dude is, but the PA <laughs> announcer at the Washington, third down. Uh, it was, it was, he's phenomenal. He reminded me of the Lakers guy. Uh, Two minutes. minutes. Yeah. Two minutes. All right, Florida State, Miami. Oh, everyone is pouring dirt on Florida State because the mighty Tar Heels knocked them off. I think, I think Florida State comes back. I think they knock off the U. I don't think the U has been tested. Look for Dalvin Cook to go crazy. Here's my problem. I talked to a team, to a coach on a team that had played Florida State after Derwin James went down, who we've talked about a bunch. They miss him. They miss him. Everybody talks about his athletic ability, his playmaking ability. He's a line him up guy, Buck. They're misaligned and have more busts in the back end and give up big plays. Look, Brad Kaya, we talk about maybe, you know, what is his ceiling? Where is he at ability wise? Look, he should tear this Florida State secondary up. They've got a couple backs down there at Miami. I'm guessing Kent – yeah, Kent went with Miami because he's a Miami guy. Sully went Florida State. You're going Florida State. I, look, they beat the crap out of my my uh, Mountaineers, my App State Mountaineers. I'm going Miami. The U. If All Miami right. could somehow win and Tennessee could somehow win, both of our losses would be against, like, top what, top 18. Oh, that's what you're pulling for? That's what I'm pulling for. All right, UCLA at Arizona State. Arizona State did not look good last week. No, they didn't look Sully good. Went Arizona, Sully went to the game last week and still picked Arizona State to win this game. Kent picked UCLA. I'm struggling because right now I have a blank spot there. I will say AS. Let's go with ASU in this one. Let's go know. with the, 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 the Sparkies. I'm going UCLA. We're disagreeing on a lot of these, Buck, and you've been right a lot more than I have. That makes me uncomfortable. All right, last game, Washington State at Stanford. Man, this is tough. But I'm going to go with the intellectual brutality. Let's go with Stanford in this one. I think they have to get back on track. They were embarrassed by the way they played at Washington. Christian McCaffrey, 
going are going on limp. He has 300 total yards from scrimmage. Three. Yeah, here's the question, though. Three. Stanford with their corners down, can they cover anybody? I don't know. I don't know if Washington State has enough speed to threaten them, though. Marks ain't bad. No, he's not bad. He's not bad. I don't know if they have those those dudes at, at Washington look like a track team. I think it's a little different. A little different yeah. level player. Look, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm going, going I'm going, going Wazoo. Stanford. No, I'm going oh. with Stanford. I'm going with Stanford, but I do think that I you know Washington State has a good shot here. This is a wounded animal, Stanford, right now. Really got two dudes, man. You got McCaffrey on offense, you got Solomon Thomas on defense. There's not a lot of playmakers. No, they're not. They gotta get some other guys into the mix. Trent Irwin, I like to see him get the ball a little bit more. I like to see him throw it, but they only throw it fifteen times a game. All right, and uh, let me get one question on here. Let me give me one college question on Periscope, and we're going to wrap this uh, this podcast up here. Thoughts on Michigan? Thank you very much, Steve Gardner, fifteen. Uh, thoughts on Michigan? Are they a playoff team when it's all said and done? I think they're a playoff team, but I think they're loaded with NFL prospects. I like what they have. I love so their do pass catchers. I don't think. I think. I think. I think. I think they're a playoff team. Will they, when they lose to Ohio State at the end of the year, will they be a playoff team? Oh, I don't think they're going to lose. You think Ohio they're going to beat Ohio State? I think, I think they're going to beat Ohio State. Ooh. By the way, what was our two point? Our Tennessee Texas A and M was our two, two point. point game of the week. Yeah, I think they're going to beat Ohio State at the end of the year. Really? Yeah. Did you see that that I formation they unveiled? Oh, that's ridiculous. You don't snake, like that? Snake form, the snake you don't like that? Nobody's fooled. It's just like they I like broke that. the huddle. Just they broke the huddle, broke the huddle from a line. I like that's that. That's oh, silly. All right, that's gonna do it for us. Well, you're, you're negative today. I, well, I'm, I'm getting killed by these I, college I, I, picks. I, I, you're negative. Got a rebound. Who knew you care so much? All right, that's gonna do it for us. Thanks for checking us out. We'll be back next week to recap all the NFL action as well as the college action. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. Thank you for listening. Thanks for checking us out on Periscope. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.